When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. What do you do when your son's teacher doesn't get boys? It's a question that comes up a lot, and we recently had a listener ask us to kind of talk about how can you, as a parent, gently educate your boy's teacher on what boys need and how to help his teacher realize how to handle it when your kid is maybe gone to anger and the typical response from the teacher really just evokes these feelings of shame in your son instead. Janet, I know you used to be a teacher, so I'm really interested in your perspective on this one. Oh man, I have been on both sides of the fence on this one. And what I do know is, as you said, you know, we have to tread gently and delicately into these waters. But I think it's really important for parents to understand that Understanding boys does not come as part of university training to be a teacher. There is not a boys 101 class. In fact, we don't get that as parents either, right? That's part of the problem and part of why we do what we do. Exactly. And so if you approach it from the place of your son's teacher might not actually understand that there are some differences. I certainly was one of those teachers back in the mid-90s. No one talked about boys being different in the classroom than girls, boys needing more physical movement. All of these things were brand new concepts to me when I was standing in front of that classroom of boys. And so, you know, if you can approach it as, oh, she actually or he actually doesn't have the information how can i share the information in a in a collaborative way in a mm-hmm. way of let's be curious about this rather than coming full full force at the teacher of you know how come you don't know this and and here's the thing about my boy so it is a process and it's a social exercise of how do parents share with teachers information, knowledge, understanding, intuition about their boys. Part of that is choosing your timing. Mm. This is not going to happen before at school drop off, not at, you know, not via an email when you're feeling very emotional and drained about yet another issue at school with your child. Not a Um, quick hit text message. Not a quick hit text message. So it really takes some forethought. I mean, maybe it's with the teacher initially, maybe it's with the administration. And the other thing that 
you will want to do is take it out of your son, my boy, and generalize it out to many boys. And it's not all boys, but many boys and some girls. And then you can, you know, talk about needing more physical movement, all of those kinds of things that, that we often talk about on this podcast. I remember going to uh, back to school night when my youngest was in third grade and we were meeting his teacher. It was a teacher who'd been at the school for a while, but Sam was going to be my first child who had her as a teacher. And you know, back to school night is a very busy night. There's all kinds of students and parents in the room. You can introduce yourself, but there's not a lot of chance to go further than that. But there was, in our little brief conversation, I got the distinct feeling that she doesn't get boys. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she had two children. And I learned that the oldest was a girl, the youngest was a boy. That youngest boy was hitting his toddler preschool years. And from something she said, it was pretty apparent to me. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, you are in for the long haul with your kid. And oh boy, oh boy, how is this going to be for my kid in your classroom? Obviously, I did not delve into it at that point. I didn't say to her, boy, you don't get boys, do you? I didn't hand her a book and say, it's time you learn about boys. I uh, went into the school year cautiously optimistic. I made it a point to not say to my son, wow, I don't think Mrs. So-and-so is going to be a good fit for you because I didn't want to poison that relationship. Things did come up during the school year and she didn't get Sam and she didn't know how to handle him. And she was the kind of teacher that would do things like withhold recess from an active third grade boy who just couldn't sit still anymore and act it out. I approached it first from the individual point. You know, you alluded to to that. So at first, I just tried very much to share information. Here is what I know about Sam. Mm -hmm. Sam is the kind of kid who he likes to move. He learns through doing. He learns with his hands. I have success with and sharing strategies that way. So we did that for a while. And it helped. I think it always helps when the teacher gets that kind of information about your kid. I mean, by the time your child is in school, you've been parenting this boy for at least six years. You've figured a few things out. Teachers who have 20-some kids in a classroom appreciate those nuggets of information. You know, here is what sets off my son. Here is what works to calm him down. Hey, uh, normally... He can handle this, but by the way, he didn't get to sleep until midnight last night because there was a thunderstorm or, you know, whatever it was. That input helps. As the year went on and taking away recess continued to be a problem, I did escalate it to administration. Mm -hmm. And I had meetings with the principal of the school. We talked about that numerous times. And I won't say that problem is fully solved. It is still an issue. Yeah. At our middle school. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it can be a whole culture, school culture shift. And it depends on how active you are as a parent in the school, how much time you have on your hands. But I do encourage all of our listeners to become advocates for their boys. And a place also that you can start is looking at the school's 
discipline referral data. Often you can you can see this when you walk through the halls and who is out in the hall, who is out of the classroom, standing or sitting by the door is going to be 90 to 95% boys. Ask the principal who gets sent to the office. It's going to be 90 to 95% boys. And that can be a place to just be curious, like, hmm, what's going on here? 99% of the time is going to trace back to out of their seat, won't sit still, too loud, outbursts, all of that, which all are all indicators of this child needs to move. Mm -hmm. So I know of um, one program that was developed, and we'll put the link in our show notes, but it was developed by a mom who's had an active boy and knew that her son needed to move before school. So she would just show up at school a little early and play games. And she was, you know, one of those active sporty moms and, and she would play games and other kids would join after a year or so at Reeboks picked up this ah. idea. Have you heard of this? It's called Box Kids, B-O-K-S Kids. I've not, but this sounds fascinating. So it's simply some, it's fun games. It's of course sanctioned by Reebok. It's that idea that there is, you know, there's a need and teachers are stretched. So how can moms or dads fill that gap? And it might be a dad who just goes to school and does a pickup basketball game Mm -hmm. half an hour before school starts. You know, that's where I've also found there's a lot of power in talking to the other parents of boys. Because if your son is struggling in school, or if you feel like you know, your te- the teacher is not getting your son, talk to the other parents. First of all, that will help you determine if maybe this is a systemic problem. Maybe she just does have a hard time understanding boys, or maybe it is something specific to your kid. I know I'm always very, very skeptical when my children come home and tell me about my teacher, whatever, because I know I'm just hearing their perspective. Right. So it's helpful to talk to the other parents. And also, if you find out that there's similar issues going on in other families, now you can come from a position of strength. Not talking about, you know, ganging up on a teacher. I'm talking about what you are, where as a group, you can work together to brainstorm some solutions, to talk with the teacher, to work with the administration. And you talked about how movement can be so helpful. And you talked about discipline referrals. Here is the good news, parents of boys. What is good for boys is good for learning in general. And the other good news is that increasingly teachers and administrators are aware of the fact that their disciplinary policies are overwhelmingly targeting boys. And academic achievement among boys is not good compared to girls. And they are motivated to close those gaps. So when you can share and present information about things like recess and increases in amount of recess time can actually improve attention in school, can improve reading and math and decrease all these disciplinary referrals, that's the kind of thing that is definitely going to catch the attention of a teacher or an administrator. It's kind of like candy because... What does a teacher want to do most? 
she wants to teach. And I'm saying she because predominantly your son probably has a female teacher. She wants to teach. I wanted to teach that class of boys. I did not go to school in the morning thinking, yay, I can do some behavior management today. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun. No, no. Where it tips the scale is when we can look at it together and go, if we do this, if we allow the kids to have 10 minutes of jump roping before school starts, and by the way, what's good for boys is good for girls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, If we can have them do 10 minutes of jump rope in the morning, you're actually going to have more time to teach. And they are going to be primed to learn. And what are we here for? What do we love as teachers? We love it when the light bulb comes on for our kids. We do not love having to send a child out because they're being too wiggly or whatever it is. So it's, it's education. It's curiosity. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B Y. H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. 
Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. It's also recognizing that teachers have their plates are so full. Mm -hmm. And so coming at it from the angle of let's do this to make your life easier. Let's do this to make the classroom run more smoothly. How can we support you, dear teacher of my son, to have a more workable classroom, a more boy-friendly classroom. So part of it is that is movement, but I will say also part of it is looking at things like literacy. What are boys allowed to write about? Yes. What stories are they allowed to tell? What stories are they being told? Boys are going to tend to want to kind of ride the edges of a little violence and a little, it's, it's the hero's journey. Yep. We want our kids to have that. And so what are the school policies? What is the curriculum? Are we giving them enough nourishment through story, through the curriculum, through hands-on learning? Because a bored boy is, oh gosh, uh, you know, behavior management in action. So how are we keeping him engaged intellectually and physically? You know, I, I wrote a blog post a few years ago. We'll put the link in the show notes, but it was something about, you know, so many ways teachers can make school better for boys. And one of the bullet points was say yes to guns and poop. Yep. I'm not advocating for violence in the classroom. Nobody should be bringing real guns to school. But if a boy wants to write a war story or wants to write a story that has poop jokes in it, let them go. Yes. Yes. Let them go. Yeah. And recognizing the different ways that boys will approach literacy. And yeah, like there's a reason why Captain Underpants went on to become supremely popular among boys. Mm-hmm. It's the very name. Finally, kids could say the word underpants in the classroom and their teacher would hand them a book with the word in it. And get to actually see the underpants in a printed book. Yes. Um, so it's looking at all of those things. And I think also recognizing that there are teachers who get boys mm-hmm. and there are teachers who naturally do not. And it's okay. It's okay. It's just that we are so feminized in our education system that, of course, naturally, we're going to look at boys through this feminine lens. And we need to be willing. And I think teachers are, because they are teachers, are curious and they do want to learn and they do want to do the best by all of their students, but they don't know what they don't know. 
I have to say I was really relieved when my Sam went into fifth grade because his teacher is a mom of three boys. Nice. So I'm like, all right. And the principal at the middle, the principal at the middle school for a while was a dad of four boys. So even though Sam was getting sent to the office sometimes for things, I knew that on some level he got it. And he was the gentleman that I was talking to about recess policies and things like that. And, you know, he was explaining to me some of the constraints he faces as an administrator in terms of making, you know, major cultural shifts like Mm -hmm. that. Those conversations are important because as parents, I do think we have to realize that the educators are, they're constrained in a lot of different ways. And so they are trying and we have to figure out how to help them work within the the resources and the structure that they have. And to work from a supportive place as parents, Mm -hmm. not, you know, you, we are not going to serve our kids if we come at this adversarially. And so understanding that we all want the best for our kids and administration has their constraints, teachers have their constraints, and what can we do as parents to help kind of open up, much like that mom who committed to being at school Mm -hmm, a half mm -hmm. an hour early every day. One um, sentence that I think can be helpful or, or approach when you're talking with your son's teacher, once you get beyond maybe some of his very specific stuff, you know, you can say something along the lines of, you know, before I had Sam, I never realized whatever about boys. And you can kind of share your own epiphany. And in being open and vulnerable like that, sometimes you give the other person uh, permission or freedom to, even if they don't say it, think, oh yeah, maybe there is something there. And so that's just another way you can phrase things and approach them. Mm -hmm. And when I do, when I work with teachers in professional development settings, I will ask them, what do you like about teaching girls? What challenges you about teaching girls? What do you like about teaching boys? What challenges you about teaching boys? And then I let them go at it and they just talk. And it's really interesting to just lay out that dynamic. And it's very revealing to have that conversation because there are some teachers who love the boys are active and they don't hold a grudge and they, you know, love to be playing in the dirt and they love all that. Some teachers love that. Other teachers, that's their biggest challenge is they're so active and they love playing in the dirt. And, and, you know, so just to have that conversation and open it up, you know, it took me probably, I bet it took me 10 years to look back on that first class of boys that I had and to realize that, I was actually, I had some fear. I was afraid because I would have, you know, I'd have my lesson plan of the day and it would go south so quickly. And so there, you know, so I was not being a good teacher coming at it with, oh my God, this is going to be crazy making and how is this going to fall apart and be nervous and anxious. And, and so I think when We as teachers, the teachers who are listening, when we can just recognize, yeah, you know, their energy is off-putting or their energy does overwhelm me, you know, and and that we get real with ourselves and then we can 
then for me, my strategy was I got to get really curious and figure out what's going on with these boys so I can meet their need. Now, you know, that was my style, but another teacher might be so busy trying to just, you know, keep her head above water and make lesson plans for the next day. She might not have that approach and she might really appreciate being given a blog post or, you know, 25 tips for a more boy-friendly classroom or something like that. And so if it is brought in the sense of support rather than, oh, you're not doing your job right, then it can be received and hopefully heard by that teacher. You know, that's a good reality check for parents as well. Because how many times have I been completely overwhelmed by my son's energy and at a loss for what to do? And these are my own children who I've had a relationship with their entire lives. So that's a really good reality check for me. To your point about sharing articles or books and information, you know, I have some, a link to resources and books on my website. We'll include that below. I'm sure you have some also. It really depends on the vibes you're getting back from the teacher and from the administrator. You know, if this person is expressing an interest in learning more about boys and boy development, well, I mean, there's a host of books and articles that you can share with them. If not, you know, I don't, <laughs> I've been tempted, but I haven't done it. I have been tempted to buy a book about boys and learning and wrap it as a Christmas gift for the teacher. <laughs> I didn't do it because I knew it wasn't given in the right spirit, right? Yes, I mean, yes. that's, that's a backhanded <laughs> gift. So I didn't do that. Something that I think could be really very powerful and effective and maybe you'd work with your PTA to do this, is a book study. Approach it from this larger question of, you know, hey, boys in general aren't doing as well in school. What can we be doing as parents and teachers to improve boys' achievement in school? And maybe agree to, you know, read a book and have a book discussion over a period of weeks or months. I think that could be extremely powerful. That's powerful. And I'm going to put in a plug for us, Jen. How about that? I was going to do that next. Okay. You go. I jumped jumped to it. So, and I'm glad you mentioned PTA because that is often the doorway that I am brought into schools. The parents have questions, they have interest in this topic. And so the PTA, the Parent Education Committee, will bring me in as a speaker. And there's definitely an opportunity to bring both of us in as a speaker. Jen does great work with parents and I am I love working with teachers. So we we are a great joint presentation and then split up and you can work with the educators. I can work with the parents. We will work uh, with you to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. And what happens, though, is as the, as the teachers and administrators recognize, oh, the parents really have interest in this topic, part of their mission is to educate parents. And so then they get a little more on board and a little more invested. And then it might be, oh, well, let's have her come and speak to the parent, to the parent body 
And then let's have her come work with the Mm -hmm. teachers, observe in the classrooms. There's often, you know, like a boy heavy classroom and I'll go in and, and spend some time observing and offering feedback about what, you know, it can be such simple changes, Jen, you know, this of simply take out some of the extra furniture, take off some of the things from the walls have more open space for uh, learners to move around and have um, alternative seating. So there's so many things that can be done to make a school more boy-friendly. And that supports the teacher who is wanting to be the best she can be for your kiddos. I interview so many teachers for my freelance work as a writer. And nobody goes into teaching not wanting to help children. Everybody goes into teaching because they want children to do well. So keeping that in mind is essential and partnering. You used the word collaborative before. A collaborative partnership is really what is needed between parents and educators for children to thrive. Parents, this can be a long haul though. Your son probably has 12 or so years of education And even if you work things out with one teacher one year, you may find yourself going around and revisiting. So please pace yourself, take some deep breaths, take care of yourself as you need to. Reach out to other parents for support when you are completely frustrated. And just know that this will be an issue that you will be dealing with throughout your son's life. And the other thing I really want you to keep in mind is no matter what happens at school, what happens at home is so important. So even if you can't, quote unquote, make things better for your son at school, there is a lot that you can do at home to preserve his sense of curiosity and his love of learning. And some of that is making sure he gets to move, and some of it is making sure that he has time to follow his own interests. So While you are working on the angle of working with his teacher and helping make school a better place for him, be sure you're putting in the time to um, just facilitate who he's becoming at home. That's so great, Jen. And I want to add one more point here because also as part of this conversation with your son is to help him understand how he is as a learner mm-hmm. and how he is as a boy and so that he can respectfully self-advocate and that will serve him well all the way through school. That might be a whole nother episode we can talk about how to help boys develop self-advocacy skills. I think it's going to be upcoming soon. Good luck. And if any of you want to share your stories of your son's struggles in school and how you were able to advocate for him or how he advocated for himself, please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Boys and anger is a topic we are hearing lots about. We want you to know you are not alone. You can go to boysalive.com backslash anger and receive a free audio download to help you understand the complexities of your son's anger. Also includes tips and strategies for how you can help him cope with this big emotion. Thanks for joining On Boys. 
real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.